Hello, everybody. You're listening to a Bitcoin and Markets live stream. My name is Ansel Lindner, and on this show, I give you a unique perspective on Bitcoin, macro, and geopolitics. You can find me all over. Follow me on Twitter at Ansel Lindner. The Telegram channel is doing really well, so go to t.me for slash Bitcoin and Markets to join there to listen to these live streams live. You can find the show in any podcast app. Just search for Bitcoin and Markets or go to bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash find dash us and you can find most big podcast apps will be listed there. We're also on Rumble and Odyssey so you can find our channels and go subscribe and give us likes so we can um, reach more people over there on those video apps. We have lost our YouTube channel. And lastly, make sure you're subscribed over on bitcoinandmarkets.com to get notified of all of my content. All right, let's jump in to today's topics. All right, guys, what is up? Hope you're doing well on this Thursday, December 1st, 2022, finally in December. I don't know about you, but November seemed to be like a long month. Maybe it's because of FTX and all the drama, but uh, we should expect, hopefully, December will be less drama for Bitcoin and the price can recover a little bit and we can drift upward over the next few weeks. Anyway, so today is Fed Watch Day, Thursday, 1.30 Eastern now is going to be the Fed Watch time. CK is not joining, but Nolan, he's also Count BTC on Twitter and he has a Count BTC YouTube channel as well. He will be kind of filling in as co-host here today on Fed Watch. I first thought I was going to be flying solo, but um, he was gracious enough to come on and, you know, provide that sounding board for me and keep me in check because I can ramble on as you guys well know. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't prepare much for this live stream. I think we're just going to talk about some charts, maybe read a couple headlines, open it up. I, I do actually want to keep myself to a very short episode this uh, today or this live stream very short um, what other admin notes do I have? Oh, for people listening on the podcast, we do a monthly profit. It's a prediction thing every month over there on Telegram. And it started on Discord years ago. Um, the Discord has really slowed down and I really don't go on that very much anymore. But um, we do it on Discord and you pick the price, what you think the price will be at the close of that monthly candle. So November's winner was Jimbit. And he gets his name on the uh, Hall of Fame on the website, bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash hall dash of dash fame. So it's just something fun to do. If you guys want to try your luck, try your skill at predicting the price for the end of the monthly candle, you can look in the show notes to this podcast. If you're listening on the podcast feed and you'll find a link to a Google form, you just fill out that quick form with a name and a guess. And go about doing that. So guys on Telegram and, and Twitter Spaces, you can find that link by joining the Telegram if you're on Twitter Spaces. But um, I did post it this morning. I'll post it a couple more times. The end or the deadline is midnight Eastern on the 4th or, you know, the 4th going into the 5th. So that would be 12 a.m. on the 5th. Good luck. <laughs> All right. So let's see. Let's talk about some charts here. Bitcoin did have a good 24 hours after Powell started speaking yesterday. Of course, I'm going to be going over that on FedWatch, so I don't want to talk about it too much, but um, 
we did have a little pop in price here up to 16,977 right now. It did pass over 17,000. Let's see what the high was. 17,200. That's pretty good. Of course, I've been talking about that there this resistance and all this confluence of stuff happening around between 18,000 and 19,000 will act as a magnet for price because there's liquidity up there and and price will seek that liquidity we'll see. I don't expect it to break, but we'll see if if the price can jump through 19,000. That would be huge. That would be absolutely huge. Let me post that chart in Telegram so you guys see what I'm looking at. I also have the volume on here for this chart because a lot of things, I or a lot of times I talk about, you know, volume has to confirm a move. And you can see that the volume has actually been elevated ever since the FTX drop. So there is a lot of accumulation happening, uh, which I think is a good signal. All right, let's take a look at stocks. They also, of course, jumped after Powell spoke yesterday. Oh, wait, let me take the volume off for stocks because it doesn't really matter. Less and P500 did have a big day, jumped over the 200-day moving average, kind of tested it this morning. It's pretty neat, guys, when you see stuff obey technical analysis so well. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to post this chart and you can see that it includes the top from August. That one right there is the S&P 500. It includes the top from August on August 16th that hit the 200-day moving average exactly. And then we were kind of below the 200-day, above the 100-day moving average on the S&P 500 consolidating right there in a bull flag and we broke through that 200 day it came back and tested the 200 day again almost to the tick like seriously to the penny Uh, so that that's pretty interesting when you see technical analysis you know certain levels work out so well be so important but that 200 day is very important for for stocks um man oh man I'm not really that confident, though, in this breakout for the S&P 500. I do think that stocks will go higher, but perhaps Bitcoin is the lagging indicator here. It's the signal through the noise. Bitcoin is very far off of its 200-day moving average. So perhaps there needs to be more consolidation in stocks before we go higher. I don't know, but I'm watching this very, very closely. Um, A lot of this stuff is kind of confirming what I have been saying the whole year, But, you know, we'll see how this turns out. Um, Okay, oil is up $82. I won't post that chart. The big one is this 10-year, guys. The 10-year. Holy crap. Let me clear off some of these things. I'll put in the 5 and the 30 as well because the long bond is crashing. It is absolutely crashing here. Where we got? There we go. And let me bring in the 2-year as well. And, of course, the Fed funds range. All right. So, man, right now the 10-year is sitting at 355, 355 basis points. Remember, the bottom of the Fed funds range is 375. So what the hell is the 10-year doing down at 355? And not only the Fed funds range. Like, how do they keep it in that range? Well, they have the the reverse repo facility rate that is 380. And then they have the IOER, which I believe is 385. So why would you want to own a 10-year treasury 
at 355, if you can get more, a lot more, 30, 40 basis points more through either depositing it as a reserve at the Fed or putting it in a reverse repo, why would you buy a treasury below that? It doesn't make any sense. Well, it does make sense if you have a different perspective like I do, that people are going to safe and liquid assets. And the 10-year has more value, has more utility than just its interest rate. It can be used, it's liquid. It can be used and traded and moved and rehypothecated and all this stuff. So they'd much rather have that than be locked into reserves held at the Fed with IOER or um, having to roll over every night with the reverse repo. So that's that's where this difference come from, comes from. But if this keeps going down, we still have two weeks, right? Or 13 days until the Fed funds decision. So if this keeps going down, there's not going to be any room to, to move at all. Somebody, I, I was in DMs on Twitter and, and somebody that listened to the show, I think it was Dave Smith, but I could be wrong on that, um, said, hey, you know, I don't think they're going to raise rates here because they've talked about not raising rates and about being so tough and being hawkish. They'll, the market will laugh at them if they, if they slow down their, their hikes at this point. And I said, well, I think it's just the opposite. Like if the rates don't listen, you know, if they can't jawbone the market the way they want it, they have to follow the market or else people will lose utter confidence. I, Powell would rather be wrong than people think he's impotent. I said the same thing back in um, 2019. The Fed would rather have the public think they were wrong, that they broke the market, than lose confidence. And by raising rates here, another 75 basis points, it's going to lose confidence. It, the market will, will say, hey, what do you actually do here, Fed? You're not doing anything. Did I post that? Oh, sorry, guys. Let me post that in Telegram. These, this is the rate chart. It's just crazy. Okay, so that's that. What other macro charts do I have? Let me clean this chart up and keep moving on. So we have the dollar falling here today, 104 now, 104 handle. Interesting, we'll see where the bottom is. The 2016 high was 103 spot eight. Maybe it gets down to that far. That would be another whole point lower than it is right now. But I'm not worried about this. You know, so far, this is still within my range bound gauge here. And we'll see if it breaks maybe 102 or 101. I don't know when I would start saying that my range bound dollar prediction is wrong, but not at 104. So it, it still has a ways, a ways to go. So what else? All right, that's it for the charts. Let's look at a couple headlines here. Just going off zero hedge. Elon Musk confident brain chip company Neuralink can begin human trials in six months. Okay, whatever. I, I'm not a big AI person. I think it's a lot farther off than people think. This is an extremely complicated thing, this Neuralink. So it's very far off. I, my vision of the future is not what most people's vision is with AI running the world, we're so advanced and there's so much science. I think that we're going to go through a paradigm shift and we're going to realize that a lot of our physics isn't perfect, isn't right. And a lot of the 
kind of Star Trek utopian future is wrong. You know, I'm much more in like Judge Dredd. I don't know if you guys remember that movie. Um, that's much more of the future <laughs> that I've, I'm seeing 200, 300 years down the road than what a lot of the sci-fi tells us. All right, what else do we have here? Um, okay, so three-judge panel rejects Biden bid to restore student debt relief. Remember this? So they tried to relieve, you know, have the student debt relief and influence the elections here, the midterm elections. And then, of course, it got overturned because it was illegal, unconstitutional. But the, a lot of the stuff that the Biden administration has done has been blatantly unconstitutional, and they just do it and make the courts stop them. You know, so like the rent moratorium that the CDC was doing. And it's, what the hell is the CDC doing imposing some sort of rent moratorium? It doesn't even make sense, and it's unconstitutional, I mean, plainly and obviously. But they went forward with it, and they made the courts overturn it. And they got a whole, like, nine months extra out of this deal because they were able to fight it and hold it up in the courts for that long. So the same thing with this debt relief. They're going to keep doing these type of things and make the courts overturn because, you know, they have a lot of judges on their side. They they the, there are being a judge is not it's very hard to find a um, non-biased judge but a lot of them are woke right a lot of the judges are woke so they hope that they get a friendly judge in the early rounds and it keeps getting appealed and then as it gets higher and higher the courts get less and less woke but um you know, it takes a long time to go through all of these processes and file all these different motions and respond to the different motions and come back and forth. That's what they want. That's what they want. They just want to extend it because they know it's unconstitutional. Um, what else? EU proposes lowering Russian oil price cap to $60. It feels like they are just trying to make a decision for the sake of a decision. Yeah, they, they Poland and some other countries are not liking what the eu is offering here and so they're holding it up there's i think there's poland and maybe another country that is not approving this uh russian oil price cap i don't know if it will go through i wouldn't be surprised if it if it goes through but you know a lot of these things it's just it they pass something and they pass it with a gigantic loophole that then they're going to use and go about business as usual that's like the uh energy uh, or the export sanctions that they had on Russia. First, the UK, who has most of the uh, shipping insurance in the world, comes out of London, and they were supposed to not insure Russian shipping. Well, they didn't. They they signed this thing to say they weren't going to insure Russian shipping that goes to the UK, but all other Russian shipping, they'll insure. So. Like they were able to have that headline saying, we put sanctions on Russian shipping and it really doesn't mean anything, you know? So probably something like that will happen here too. I don't know. A lot of people are getting worried, I think, in the West about the winter and the Russian offensive because a lot of the, you know, uh, reservists are coming up to the front lines now. So we'll see what happens over the next few days or next couple weeks, I guess, till the end of the year with a winter offensive. All right. What else do we have? All right. That's it. I'm going to open it up to guys here on telegram. I will relay any comments to Twitter spaces. So the mic is open. All you got to do is raise your hand and I will scroll and try to find you. 
while I'm waiting again, 1.30 Eastern on the Bitcoin Magazine YouTube channel and Rumble channel. Be going live with FedWatch and Nolan, Count BTC, will be the co-host. We're going to be talking about Powell's speech yesterday, as well as the situation that's percolating over there in Turkey. Uh, we're going to be looking at some charts, some currencies. And I have a slide deck, so if you watch the live streams, you'll see the the slides of the charts right there that I'm talking about. If you listen on the podcast version, then you know you got to uh, go find the blog post that is, uh, is associated with that episode to see the charts I'm talking about. But I try to describe them. Okay, Carlo here. Let me bring you in. Answer, I have a, I have a question. I am really ignorant of this mechanism. Could you explain a, a little bit more in detail what is the connection between the federal fund, uh, funds rate and um, and the uh, the the bond uh, market? So, if they keep raising, what what do you expect will happen? Okay, great question. So, for to relay to Twitter Spaces, um, Carlo asked, "What is the connection between Fed funds policy and the interest rates?" So, them hiking doesn't necessarily mean interest rates go up. And you want you want kind of a explainer on that one? Is that correct? That's correct. Perfect. Thanks. Okay. Uh, cool. Thanks for the question. Yeah. It. Um, there is no mechanical way that the Fed sets interest rates. Okay. Um, the way they influence shorter term rates is they have things like the interest on excess reserves. So if you deposit reserves at the Fed, then they'll pay you interest on those excess reserves that you hold at the Fed. And they set that rate in the Fed funds target. So that uh, disincentivizes you uh, people to, or investors, whatever, to go into the market and actually own like, say, um, a two-year treasury. So they they incentivize you through having higher rates that are in the Fed funds. Same with re reverse repo. So the reverse repo is if you have cash, why would you go buy a two-year bond if you can, you know, two-year bond at say uh, three eight three seventy if you can get three eighty by taking that money into the reverse repo, and so that affects the demand for treasuries and will keep the market rates. Somewhere inside of that Fed funds or, you know, the Fed, that's how they're influencing the very short end of the Fed fund of the interest rates with these two different things. And then on top of that, um, that's why they have more influence over the short end, because people that are buying like a four week treasury bill. It's not that big a deal if they go into reverse repo instead. Right. So there's more influence on the decisions of market participants comparing very short treasury bills to things like the reverse repo. So that is influencing the market. But there is a big difference between, say, the 10 year. So any market decision in the market for buying a 10 year treasury bond, that's, that's like a long term projection. You're going to you know, make a long term decision. And so you're going to buy a 10-year treasury despite it being below the reverse repo because these are different 
different assets almost, right? And so yeah, they they can influence the short term the short end through these different measure these different products or facilities that they have, but they can't really extend that out to the tenure. And this is something that they have worried wondered about for decades. So Alan Greenspan, this was the conundrum, and Jeff Schneider has had a couple recent podcast episodes about this. So um, Alan Greenspan's conundrum was he didn't understand how long-term rates could not be obeying the Fed because he saw it as a series of one-year forwards. You set the Fed funds, and then the you know the next length is just uh, a doubling or tripling. You know that that is should be a series of one-year forwards. To get out to the tenure, it should be a nice sloping, uh, upward sloping yield curve. But why would long-term rates not obey the Fed? And Alan Greenspan couldn't explain it, and so he, it was famously his conundrum. Uh, but of course, it's because they are different products, and long-term rates they actually are they signify long-term growth and inflation expectations. So they aren't the same as short-term rates, which are much more influenced by Fed policy and Fed decisions. And even these Fed rates that they offer like reverse repo and interest on excess reserves. So that's how I would describe that. Does that, does that answer the question, Carlo? Absolutely. Uh, it, it was really confusing for me. Thank you very much, uh, Ansel. Yes, sir. All right. Well, actually, guys, uh, I'm going to cut it there because I got a few things to take care of before 1.30. Again, join me 1.30 in just 40 minutes with Bitcoin Magazine. And thanks for joining. I'll see you. I'll see you there on FedWatch, but then I'll see you tomorrow on uh, Telegram and Twitter Spaces. All right. Bye, guys.